When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. Today, we are going to wrap up our position preview series for the New York Jets during the 2023 offseason. A couple of weeks out from the draft, exactly two weeks from today is when the first round is set to begin. And we got a pretty jam-packed show. We're going to pack our last three positions into one episode. We kind of feel like these are the least important positions of need, positions the Jets have a good amount of players set at. There still might be some opportunities for them to add uh, into this group, likely in the mid to late rounds of the draft. But worth talking about anyway. We're going to go ahead and wrap up cornerbacks, tight ends, and running backs. Matt, let's go ahead and start with corner because I think this is the position we need to spend the least time talking about. I don't think there's any any chance that the Jets are going to be adding any cornerbacks this year. I think they are very, very set in their group. They have their top three in Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, and Michael Carter II. They have Brandon Eccles as their number four, who plays in relief, not only in the slot, but also outside. They have Justin Hardy as the five, who's their main special teams ace. And they also have Bryce Hall, who's kind of their inactive number six backup to the backup. In the event things go really wrong, they have even more depth behind that. Jumping right in, I don't think there is you know, any reason to spend much more time on this position. Their cornerback group is set, and it's one of the best positions on their team. Yeah, I mean, the only piece that I can see maybe moving on is, is Hall at this point. Uh, but even him as like that borderline roster bubble guy that they're going to keep inactive if he even is on the roster most of the time. Uh, it, yeah, that, that's a very good option to have. Like We were looking at him as a possible starter less than a year ago so it's uh it's wild to say how we've how this position has changed how it's solidified and and the talent that they've amassed um yeah i can't really see us going uh uh really in any direction other than the guys that we already have uh i believe even if they want to use uh somebody in the slot uh they'll use probably a safety and and not a, a, yep. a, another cornerback so yeah, I'm I'm pretty comfortable with this group. Yeah, me as well. The Jets really did not play too many four cornerback sets much at all last year. 
they, they were very much, we are going to have our three corners. We are going to have our safeties, as we've talked about, especially in our safety episode as well. They expect their safeties to play man-to-man frequently, multiple times a game, especially on third and long when they want to run their blitzes. They're going to be, you know, a four receiver set from the offense or a three by one with a, a slot receiver tight to the formation. It's likely going to be a safety covering them in man to man and not a fourth corner. So when you have a guy like a Brandon Eccles, who they're confident can play inside or outside, you have a Justin Hardy on special teams who isn't the best at playing actual corner, but in a pinch is a body that you can put in a situation if need be uh, in a disaster scenario and gives you some core value on special teams. And having Bryce Hall on top of that as that extra Band-Aid and that extra insurance just in case more than one guy goes down and you really need to fill some people in in a spot, you know, they have a lot of options here. But I think they're they're very confident in their room. I think they're very set in their room. I am very confident in the room that they've had. I mean, they had arguably the best corner duo in the league last year and Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed on the outside. And Michael Carter, the second in the slot, was no slouch either. I think this group is only just going to continue to get better and put out the quality of play that we know they're capable of. Yep. For any additions, uh, see our safety episode where we uh, named a couple guys that maybe could fit into that, that slot role or, uh, and, and also be double as a safety, uh, kind of a hybrid guy, uh, because that's really all I see changing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If you want to find out what's going to happen with the Jets DBs, then go check out our safety episode. Like Matt said, that's where all the action is going to be. It is not going to be at corner. Let's move along right here. Like I said, no uh, reason to spend too much time talking about corner position. We know that's pretty much set in stone. Let's get to tight end. Tight end is a very interesting spot because they have two veterans that they just signed a couple of years ago in Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama, who just only played their first year in New York last season. They've both restructured contracts. They're likely to be on the team next year, at least uh, this coming season. I believe the year after is a little up in the air for either of the two of them. I think Uzama's contract makes it a little more likely that he'll be here in 2024. Uh, Conklin, not so much. They also drafted a tight end last year in the third round in Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, who was injured going through the draft process, had a little bit of a slow start through training camp, didn't get medically cleared until the middle of the summer, and then kind of eased his way in. And of all the rookies that we saw out of the 2022 class, we saw the least of Jeremy Ruckert. And it was mainly just due to acclimation time, learning the offense, getting football shape, getting pad ready, getting practice time and getting opportunities behind two guys that they signed as veterans and free agency that were both making pretty solid money. You know, this is an interesting position where I think when you're looking at tight end, you're looking for the future. They have their tight ends of the present, at least for this next season. It's going to be Conklin and Uzama as the top two again. I think you're going to see some more Ruckert in year two than maybe we had in year one, especially in some some heavier sets and some blocking roles. I could see that being a spot where Ruckert's really going to come in. But we're really looking for life after Uzama and life after Conklin. And so when we're looking at the tight end class, this is a very, very deep and very, very talented tight end class in the draft. I don't think this is going to be, like I said, looking for the future. I don't think there's any need to talk about free agency because I think this is going to be your stash, uh, a fourth or a fifth round pick at the tight end position if that's what they choose to do. And that becomes your eventual tandem pairing with Ruckert, whoever becomes the tight end one, tight end two, what have you. Those are going to be your top two going forward. Matt, I want you to jump off here with your first guy, because this is a guy I hadn't watched until this morning when we were discussing this episode, but he's got a lot of juice. Uh, definitely a fun player after the catch, and I think there's some untapped potential with him, and I think he could be a solid fit in our offense. Talk about Josh Wiley at Cincinnati. Yeah, Josh Wiley. Uh, so, yeah, like you're saying, uh, we'll pro- if we are looking to add a tight end to the room uh, to kind of build to our tight end depth for the future, 
Uh, we're, I'm looking more toward the, the fourth or fifth or even sixth round. Uh, and Josh Wiley, I think, is a very just solid guy. Um, as far as receiver and blocker balance, uh, he possesses a, a good amount of talent in both areas. Uh, he's strong. He's got a decent amount of power behind his punch. Uh, when he gets his hands on a defender, you see that defender move backwards most of the time. Uh, when he, he has a little bit of high uh, pad level, being that he is 6'6". Six, 6'6 six, uh, six, six and a half. 6'6 six, six and a half. So he, he's a tall boy. Uh, but he, he, at the same time, he has a decent anchor. He's able to sink those hips and not give up so much ground when in, when pass, in pass pro. Uh, and then as a receiver... Uh, he does a decent job of going up and getting the ball. Uh, what I really love about his game is his yards after catch. Uh, yes. He is very hard to bring down, uh, and he's kind of and he's got some decent uh, foot speed too, and and open field ability to make people miss. Uh, if you come at him with a with a simple arm tackle, he's going to brush that off. Uh, if you don't put your entire body into tackling him, he is going to put you in the ground, and he's going to keep on going. Uh, so he's got a lot of maneuverability. He's not going to wow you with his route running. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of imagination at the top of his stem. Uh, he's not going to explode out of his breaks. Um, so he's a guy that that you're going to have to kind of just scheme uh, production out of him. But he's more than willing and he's more than able to be productive. Uh, and as a number four tight end this year, maybe in once uh, Conklin and, and CJ are gone, he moves his way up to number three, maybe number two. Uh, I could see him developing a, a, enough to, to do that. And all for the price of maybe a fifth or sixth round pick. Because uh, of positional value, I can see uh, some decent guys, especially the guy you're about to talk, to, talk about, uh, just moving back a little bit. So, yeah, for what we can get out of him and where we can get him. I think he is a prize. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I like Wiley a lot. Uh, and I think that's an important note to make when talking about this tight end class as a whole is that this is, like I said, such a deep class and a position that isn't really a premium position where very rarely do you see tight ends go in the first round unless they're supreme level talents. And there's a couple of supreme level talents in this class at the very top in Michael Mayer at Notre Dame and Dalton Kincaid uh, from Utah. Those guys are likely both going to be first round picks or at the very least going to be top 50 picks. Very, very talented players that deserve to go in that range. But there's a handful of guys behind them where you can go down the list from Sam Laporta at Iowa, Tucker Kraft at San Diego State, Darnell Washington at Georgia, Josh Wiley at Cincinnati, who we mentioned, Davis Allen, my guy at Clemson, who we're going to get to in a little bit. You know, there's there's a, a handful of list of names going down the list that are are talented players that I feel like are going to drive talent down the board where it's not an absolutely needed position. There is quality star players where if a team desperately needs a tight end and they want to fill uh, that role with a very quality high-level prospect, there are options for that as well. And I think the the lower-rated mid-round tight end prospects, because there's so much depth, you're going to see a couple of good players fall down the board. And I think Wiley could be one of them, where he's kind of been a bit of a forgotten name in this class. But uh, in in my rankings, I have about five or so tight ends all clustered very, very close together between third and fourth round grades. 
And it's very unlikely that you're going to see five tight ends go in the third round or, or in the fourth round, that it's going to be split up a bit. And that's not even counting the guys that I have rated higher than that at the top of the class. So I, I like Josh Wiley. I call him Wiley Coyote with his ability to run after the catch. Like you mentioned, it's really surprising for a guy that's six, six and a half and 248 pounds. He's light on his feet. His balance is really surprising. He's able to stay upright through contact. He can make people miss in space when he has to. It's not you know, Brees Hall level jukes or anything, but for six, six and a half and two fifty, it's better It'll than you do. would expect. It'll do exactly. I think one out a really underrated aspect of his game is his route running where they line him up just outside at receiver. And I saw a play against, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was from his 2021 tape. I think it was against, I want to say wake forest, but it could, I could be wrong. Oh yeah. Um, I, think I know what you're talking about where he's lined up outside to the left at X and he runs a deep post and absolutely cooks a corner and off coverage for a touchdown. Like it, like it was easy, like, like no hesitation, no problems whatsoever. First off the line, stem a little bit to the outside cross face, catch the ball and stride, walk into the end zone touchdown. Let's go do it again. I, I think, I think there is some, some real potential here, especially, and I'm going to keep saying this for a guy that's so big and tall and high cut, the ability to sink his hips, the ability to get in and out of his breaks, the ability to, to change direction, I think is really underrated. Now, the one thing with Wiley, and I don't want to be very clear that I'm not saying this is a bad thing where we talk all the time about different types of players within the same position. And that just because two guys are tight ends or two guys are linebackers or two guys are running backs or corners or what have you, doesn't mean that they play the same, are going to fill the same roles, are going to have the same strengths and weaknesses and, and can be directly, totally compared. I think Wiley fits better as kind of your, your tight end to kind of move tight end, where I'm not sure he's the guy I want on the line of scrimmage that's going to be an extra tackle in the run game, taking on defensive ends head on, or being that main pass protector on an island. I don't think he's bad in that aspect by any means. I think he's a serviceable blocker. I think he's definitely an effort blocker. He's not the type of guy that's going to be knocking people all over the screen, but he does a good job of committing to his assignment, making sure that his guy does not get in to make a play, he gets in the way, gives good effort, keeps his hands inside, can have a little bit of drive on contact. Although, like I said, he's not going to be throwing dudes to the dirt. There's there's some some talent here as a blocker, but I think his best fit is going to be as that offline tight end who can be the wing guy, who can be the flow back on split zone, who can be the leak out on bootlegs and, you know, all those little extra tight end things that the guy that isn't on the line of scrimmage is going to do. And for the Jets in particular, before we get to my guy, which who I think is a little bit more of an inline player, I think Josh Wiley fits what the Jets want more than what Davis Allen does. Uh, because I think Rucker is their ideal inline tight end and they're, mm -hmm. they're tight end to the future of who's going to be their tight end one and who's going to be off the line and be that, that extra force in the run and pass game while also being, you know, their main tight end on a down down basis. I think that's what they want Rucker to be that guy. And so I think Wiley pairs really well with him as kind of that tight end too, where if you think about it of what the jets have now, Uzama is more their inline lead blocker Conklin's their off the line guy. I think in the future Ruckert's your Uzama and Wiley's your Conklin. Interesting. I could see it. Sure. I it, I feel like there's just so much room for Wiley to grow that if he gets with the right coaches and they teach him up, I can see him developing in an area in all the areas we talked about that are kind of pain points and he can kind of just be moving within both whether he's in line or out out in the wing. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we want our offense to be. 
where mm-hmm. we want guys that are able to do multiple things. Uh, we were talking about in our in our wide receiver episode how we want guys that are able to move inside and outside, and uh, and I like the utility, uh, the, the or rather the potential for utility with Wiley. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I, I think that, like I said, I think he can be a serviceable blocker, and I think there is room for improvement to where I don't think that it's he's never going to get better, and he has to learn all of this, you know, extra technique. Like, there's absolutely room for him to grow in that area and he could get good enough in that spot to be that inline guy and be kind of interchangeable with Ruckert. But I think right now that'll be where he could fit in early, where it would be as that extra tight end too, where he isn't having to worry about being on the line of scrimmage and taking on defensive ends head on. He can kind of, if he's doing the sift back on split, uh, split zone, he can get a bit of a running start and put his chest into somebody where he doesn't have to be corking people around the corner on outside zone and pinning that defensive end to the inside of the reach block. I, I think he can get better in that aspect, but I'm right now, this is just what I'm seeing. The potential is there, I agree. And if the coaching, if our coaching staff were to get a hold of him and really sink their teeth into him and let him grow and let him develop, then there's definitely a future there. Looking ahead, comparing him directly to my guy, Davis Allen at Clemson. These are two guys that are very, very similar from a, a size standpoint, where Josh Wiley, six, six and a half, uh, 248 pounds. Davis Allen, six, six, 245. So we're talking about half an inch and three pounds of difference here. Practically, for all intents and purposes, two of the exact same size tight ends. Wiley was faster. Wiley ran a four, six, nine with a one, six, one, 10 yard split, uh, which is a really solid time at his size. Uh, all things considered to get under four, seven is really impressive. Davis Allen, on the other hand, ran a four, eight, four with a one, six flat 10 split. So their first 10 yards were practically equal. And then Wiley had a bit of an extra gear down the field to separate a little bit faster further down the track. Either way, Davis Allen is your inline tight end. This is the, the difference in play style where Davis Allen he can take on defense bets. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the the absolute detonation like I'm talking about, where uh, the the gold standards for blockers in this class of the tight end position, in my opinion, are Darnell Washington and Michael Mayer. Neither of Davis Allen or uh, Josh Wiley are at that level of a Mayer or a Washington in terms of blockers. But I think Davis Allen's not too far off. And I think that there is the one thing that he does really well in the run game that really makes me think that he could fit for us as that inline tight end one, you know, not move guy that's going to be right off next to the tackle. He is excellent at reach blocking defensive ends where exactly what I was just talking about with Wiley, where he needs to be it's outside zone and I need to torque and pin this defensive end of the inside and get my hips around and create a lane to the outside for the running back to cut off my outside hip. He's great at that. He is really, really good at that. And I think that bodes well for the jet scheme where they're going to want to run a lot of outside zone and they're going to want to have a tight end as a lead blocker. And they're going to use those double teams where it's OK, tight end, either you're going to go and pin this guy and the tackle is going to fold behind you and lead up to the linebacker or tack, uh, tight end. You're going to double on this defensive end. And then the tackle's going to take him and you're going to lead up to the linebacker. I think Davis Allen could fit really well in that role. He's also a really solid receiver. Oh, his yeah. route running is is really, really good, especially for his size, where Again, being 6'6", being almost 250 pounds, light on his feet, knows how to sink his hips, really good at reading zone coverages, really good at finding the soft spots in zone and creating a lane for his quarterback. And this is a guy in particular where I really think his offense hurt him a lot. I don't like Clemson's offense. <laughs> it's, it is very, very gimmicky. It is very misdirection, option, 
RPO, bubble screens, sweeps, you know, a whole bunch of, of junk that quite honestly didn't work very well because their offensive line wasn't very good. And it led to a lot of third and long situations. It led to a lot of pressure. Their quarterback, DJ Ugalulai, I'm not even going to pretend to to know how to pronounce that name. Good luck to anybody. Sports broadcasters who have to cover Clemson games, I feel for you. That is, you know, it, it was a rough, uh, rough time on offense for the Tigers the last couple of years. And I think Davis Allen is, is the type of guy that's going to go to the pros and get better because he's going to be in an offense that fits him better. He's going to be on in a, a scheme that's going to utilize his talents better, where I think he's the perfect guy is the, the dump off on bootlegs. You let him coming across the middle on a drag route. You have a play action with your quarterback rolling out. Let him flip it off to Allen in the flat. He's, I've seen him hurdle DBs before. Yeah. And land on his feet and keep going. I've seen him run people clean over. I've seen him, you know, break an arm tackle, make some people miss in space. He's got a little bit of wiggle to him where he's not just a, you know, a plotter and I'm going to make the catch and then I'm not going to get any further with the ball the second there's any contact I'm going down. He can make some people miss. He can make some plays in space. And the best thing that he does better than anything else is his ability to just go up and get the football. Oh, yeah especially in the red zone. His ball tracking is excellent. His ability to extend passes, uh, extend his arms and catch passes away from his frame is awesome. His ability to high point the ball, jump at the highest point, come down with it in the air, make sure that he can use all of that 6-6 frame to go and attack the ball in the air and give that defender no shot of coming down with it. It's, it's almost automatic. And he can be fully covered, and it doesn't matter where the having guys draped all over him doesn't affect him whatsoever. He's just so good at tracking. His hands are so strong. His, he can jump so high. He had a 38 and a half inch vertical at six, six and 245 pounds, 38 and a half inch vertical. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane to the level of explosion that we're talking about. And I think that backs up with his one, six, 10 split where he can threaten a little bit vertically off the line where it's not like this is a guy where he's never going to have any downfield opportunities or he's just going to be the contested catch. He's totally blanket covered because he's not fast enough to separate, but he goes and makes catches anyway. I think you give him a free release. You put him in the slot and you need someone. uh, You see a cover three read and you say, all right, Davis Allen, go run up the seam and and split this safety. I think he can do it just fine. And and I really think that is there is a lot of untapped potential here. And I think that Clemson's offense was really holding him back. And I think if Davis Allen was on a different team, we'd be talking about him like a second round pick. And right now, I think we both agree, Matt, he's a solid third round player in our eyes. Where oh, yeah. looking at positional value, I think he could fall to the fourth round. I think in a crazy scenario, which may seem unlikely now, but we've seen stranger things happen in the past. I think he might be available at the top of the fifth just because there's so many tight ends and so many guys that I think are more dangerous receiving threats all over the field, where Davis Allen's a good receiver. He's a good route runner, good hands, like we're talking about, makes those catches in traffic, you know, is awesome at going up and getting the football, but he's not a Dalton Kincaid with his speed or his routes or his ability to, to separate against coverage. He's not a Tucker Craft in that aspect. He's not even, I, I think, Josh Wiley, as we saw by the testing. I don't think he's quite to Josh Wiley's level of being an outright receiving threat, you know, line you up at X receiver and go chop up a corner for a a 25 yard post for a touchdown. I think Davis Allen might be able to do that once or twice, but it's not going to be as consistent as a Josh Wiley or a Dalton Kincaid or a Tucker Craft or some of those other guys. And because of that, I think he's going to get pushed down the board a little bit. 
where we were texting before we started recording, Matt, I think he's Jeremy Rucker 2.0, where it's the same sort of size, 6'5", 6'6", about 250 pounds, not overtly explosive. We don't have the testing numbers for Rucker because he was hurt through the process, but just going off tape, I would say they're similarly athletic. Maybe Rucker was a little bit faster in a straight line. Very good blockers, very strong at the point of attack, able to torque and put people in the dirt when need be, solid in pass protection, can make people miss in space, strong hands, can go up and get the football. I mean, I'm it's a lot of similarities here. And clearly we saw that the Jets liked what they saw at Jeremy Ruckert. So I would think that it's possible that they're going to like what they see at a Davis Allen too. I think this is a, an unlikely pick for the Jets because I think they're, if they are going to take a tight end, it's probably going to be a little further down the board, but this could very well be a situation where he's the highest rated player they have left. And they're sitting in the fourth round and Davis Allen's their 78th overall player, and the next highest guy on their board is 92. And they go, well, we we can't afford to pass on this guy. He's rated so high. He's sitting here for us. We, we love what we see. And that's when best player available kind of supersedes positional value or supersedes need because you have an opportunity to take a player who's just so good and you have rated so highly that you wouldn't expect them to be there. And the number one thing that I go back to, and this is going to be a guy that we talk about more when we get into our, our running backs next, I think back to Michael Carter when he was coming out in the draft, when I don't think any of us, Matt, uh, you, me, Vitor, anybody you know that we talk to on a regular basis, I don't think any of us expected him to get to the fourth round at all. Mm-hmm. I, 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 that was Michael Carter at 104 was the surprise of the draft for me, where I thought Michael Carter was a top 75 lock, and, and he somehow lasts until 104. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Davis Allen can't fall uh, because it's the same sort of idea of positional value, depth. There was a lot of talented running backs in that 2020 class or 2021 class. Um, you know, there is a, a lot of reasons why Davis Allen isn't going to go probably as high as he should. And I think that that might be a perfect way for the Jets to steal him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, never doubt who can fall because people can fall no matter how talented you think they are. And it happens every single year. Uh, and yeah, the, Davis Allen could be one of those guys. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, his, your your favorite part of his receiving game is the fact that he can go up and get it. The wingspan and his uh, catch radius is so incredible. Like, I see defenders just draped all over him. And it doesn't matter. Like, the, the QB will just throw it up to him, and he comes down with it almost every time his ability to make these catches in traffic uh, that are contested is an ability that we don't see very often. We, we don't have it right now. I don't see it in a Conklin. I don't see nope. it in a CJ uh, and Ruckert. Well, I mean, we haven't really seen enough of Ruckert to, to really say because like, it, just like Davis, uh, Davis Allen, it, he also wasn't used uh, a lot at OSU or to his potential. Uh, so it's still yet to see what we can get as a final product in Rucker. Uh, but we have seen this in Davis Allen and his red zone ability. Uh, I think having him on the field uh, in these situations where we need a possession guy, where we can just throw it up to him. If, if all else fails, nobody's open, just throw it up to, to Davis Allen and see if he can come down with it. Uh, I love it uh, as a receiver. And then as a blocker, yeah, that's where I see him really thriving. Uh, his ability to mirror defenders is really nice. Uh, his 
uh, ability to with hand replacement and the power behind those hands uh, yep. is very impressive. Uh, yeah, he's he's very well rounded. It's why I have him comfortably in the third round. Uh, I would, if, based off of my rankings alone, he would be like borderline second round pick, third round, but solid, but would be a solid third round guy. Uh, if there's a run on tight end. Because you know what, it, it it's my draft strategy to attack positions of strength, and if other teams start to think that way, and there's a run on tight end, then yeah, he there's no shot of us uh, getting him. But if if he does fall because people don't really value tight ends that much, uh, and then yeah, I would jump on him in a second at pick one twelve, I believe is our fourth round pick. Uh, yeah, he would be right. In my in my crosshairs, just like Carter, you you can't let talent like that just pass you by. Uh, and it's not like we don't have zero need. We do have a need. Uh, we need to think towards the future. Everybody has this idea that we can only draft for now. That we're all in for now. I highly doubt JD is thinking this way. That he's only picking up guys that will have immediate impact because that just doesn't jive with reality. Mm-hmm. Most draft picks don't thrive year one. Not everybody's going to be a sauce. Not everybody's going to be a Garrett Wilson. Most people take a year or two to develop. Uh, so I see, uh, and especially at the tight end position, that, that's usually a position that never really, you know, goes exactly. off the handles and, and, and produces year one. So we need to look towards that future now. We can get that that red shirt year in where he kind of uh, has just like, a, he's just a, a role player, a guy that spells uh, uh, here and there. I can see that as a, as a role that he could thrive in year one. And then year two, boom, put in the hyperdrive, uh, kind of give him a little bit more uh, snaps and we'll see what we have. I think he's a monster in the making. Uh, th- there's there's not many guys that that can that have like that basketball uh, mentality out there as a receiver, where you can just see him boxing out and going up for the ball like it's a rebound. And those strong mitts just always bring the ball in. I, I love him so much. Oh, yeah, I, I really like him a lot, too. He, he's one of my favorites in this class. Just as a, a, a football player, a guy that knows how to play the game, Davis Allen is absolutely one of them. I want to make one more point before we move on to running backs here. Looking at the tight ends as a whole when evaluating athleticism, because I feel like for a lot of tight ends, we hear, oh, he's such a great receiver. He's so explosive. He burns by linebackers and safeties, you know, all these things about these great receiving tight ends. And then they get to the combine and they run four six or a Davis Allen in this instance runs a four eight four. And I think it's important for people to understand how unnatural it is for a guy that's six six and two fifty to be getting into a three point sprinter stance and running a four yard dash. That that's not something these guys have likely ever done before combine training. Where if you're a wide receiver or you're a running back or you're a corner, you very could have very well ran track in high school. You could have very well been had a track background. You could have been you know running speed and doing agility and doing all that work you know, for plenty of time in your in your past and have a lot more experience in that style of running. I think for these guys in particular, it's a football speed and you can't look too hard at the 40 and you can't look too hard at the the outright explosive athleticism testing 
and let that be the end all be all. Because I can guarantee you, and Matt, I'm sure you'll agree with this. On tape, Davis Allen is not 484. He's not. No. It's not burning speed. It's not incredible, oh my God, this guy's 6'6 and 250 and blowing by everybody. But I would say it's a comfortable 465. I would say yeah. it's at least like mid four sixes. Uh, it's he can move. He's not plotting. He's not struggling to get down the field. He's not struggling to get off the line. And a one six flat ten split is pretty solid too, especially at that size. So I, I'm, I think that there is a lot of potential here. And like I said at the top, I think his best football is ahead of him. I really think this is an NFL tight end that was stuck in a gimmicky college offense. And once he gets to an NFL system, I think it's going to fit him really, really well. And the last thing I want to say before we get to running backs was a point you brought up as well that I wanted to highlight. This is a different sort of mentality for Jets fans that we've had for such a long time where fans are used to their draft picks coming in and having to make an immediate impact because the team was so bad they didn't have anybody else. They didn't have depth. They didn't have talent. So you were banking on your draft picks coming in and and making this huge impact and immediately getting on the team and starting because you knew the guys you had ahead of them weren't any good and were backup level players on any other roster. We've seen this roster be built over the last handful of years and add depth and add talent and add so many new faces in so many new places that we don't need immediate impact out of every single guy. If we can get it, great. And I think looking at the 2022 class, Pretty much the only guy you didn't get immediate impact out of in some way, shape, or form was Rucker. And that was due to his injury and due to the time it took him to get acclimated. But that's not common. And that's not going to be a need every single year going forward where I'm going to be a lot more comfortable this year and going forward taking picks for the future and saying, okay, even if it's a fourth round pick and we might have been able to find a guy who plays a different position that can make an immediate day one impact for us. And whether it's on special teams, whether it's as a sub rusher, if they're a defensive end, whether it's a, you know, a spell running back or something along those lines, there's absolutely something to that. But I think looking at value, looking at grade, looking at where prospects are valued and where they could be had. I don't think if Davis Allen is there at 112, I'm not sure there's going to be anybody else that's going to be available. That's going to be as good. No, I would, it would. I'd be hard pressed to find anybody else. But you know what? You never know because just as we're saying that a tight end can can drop, you never know who can drop. You could be maybe one of our center uh, prospects that we like so much also dropping. Yeah, because of positional value, you never know. Uh, maybe maybe one of the tight, uh, the running backs that we're about to talk about also. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into running backs. I want you to go ahead and start with your guy because this dude is just so much fun and I I cannot wait to talk about him because I know this is a name that not many people in draft media have even heard of, let alone, you know, are aware of. And I want our fans to be filled in as much as possible. Talk to us about Hunter Lipke from North Dakota State because this dude is just a football player. Yeah, Hunter Lipke. Uh, He is a bowling ball. He is so strong with his lower body, his strength. Uh, and the power that he possesses with his runs. Uh, He almost rarely ever gets tackled for a loss. Uh, He's got such good patience and such good short area burst for a guy his size that he can, if if he's dead to right, he'll just plow through you and he'll still get back to the line of scrimmage. Uh, If he's got blocking that needs to develop, he'll wait for it. And then, you know what? He'll use that short area burst to just plow through. And if you come at him with some weak sauce tackle, 
he will make you pay. He will run right over you. Uh, and in this offense of North Dakota State, he had no shortage of run. This is a run-first offense, and they put him to work. Uh, he is the kind of guy that plays with an edge. Uh, we always talking about dogs. Let's get a dog for this running, uh, this running back group. Uh, we have Hall, who's our burner, who's our all-around guy. We've got Carter, uh, who is our, our speed guy that can make people miss in space. We got Bam, who's just a well-rounded guy. Uh, and we, what we really don't have is that short yardage guy that we can rely on, that can be our battering ram. Uh, that uh, how many times have we been in third in 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 short or fourth mm-hmm. in short, and we're just like this isn't going to work. We we already know this isn't going to work. That our offensive line is going to get demolished, and our running backs are going to get tackled before they even get going. But you know what? Lupke's a guy that thrives in that role. He won't care if you hit him because he will hit you back. And he's not just a runner. Uh, he's not just uh, uh, no, he is not. Because he is a weapon, not just as a running back, but as a receiver as well. He can squirt into the, the flat. You can see him going downfield and making acrobatic catches using his body control mm-hmm. uh, and coming down with, with, with great catches. The fact that we can use him in multiple ways, it makes him very valuable. And he is a fullback through and through. Uh, the only thing I wish I saw more from him was uh, a better blocking because his his uh, technique is, is, is still kind of unrefined at this point. Uh, what he does is kind of just the same way he runs as a battering ram is how he blocks also. He will throw his entire effort and body into you to try to drive you back. Uh, but you know what? At the next level, that's not going to cut it. He needs to get some good coaching uh, to really give him uh, some technique and to make him a force. Uh, because once he gets that down, he could he has a lot of potential to be the fullback that we haven't had in a very long time. Oh, I completely and totally agree. I could not agree more. Uh, for for anybody listening, if you're a fan of football and you just want to have a fun afternoon, go watch Hunter Licky tape. Just just go enjoy yourself. Don't even focus too hard on scouting or being all analytical or in-depth. Just watch this guy who's six foot one, 230 pounds, drags people on his back every single time he touches the ball and runs routes like a full-blown tight end and tracks the ball like a wide receiver. I, I mean, this is a, a 6'1", 230-pound fullback, and he averaged 14 yards a catch last year. He averaged a touchdown every 8.6 touches. Wild. It's wild. It's wild. It's absolutely wild. He had a play, um, I think it was against South Dakota State, where he's lined up at fullback, and they have him running a fullback wheel. And he goes down the field, down the left sideline, and the ball is outside of him, and he has to completely pirouette midair, catch the ball away from his frame, gets both feet inbounds, turns, and almost sticks it over the pylon for a touchdown. It looks like a wide receiver on the sideline. And it's a 6'1", 230-pound fullback. And, and then like it's it's mind blowing how he can do this, and you get him in the run game where he's the type of of powerful where I don't think he's going to be. It's not a Mike Allstott where he comes up the middle and he's just got so much force that the second someone touches his shoulder, they bounce off of him like he's made of a like made of steel. But he's that like okay, you're on me, you're not bringing me down. 
it's he's going to meet that contact. He's going to stay upright and he's just going to keep churning his legs and dragging people. And eventually he's going to outwill them and they're going to give up on the tackle and he's going to squeeze through and keep churning down the field for bigger gains. I mean, he averaged 6.3 yards a carry, which is which is pretty dang good. I mean, looking at things like all things considered, and you had mentioned with the blocking where that is the area he really needs to improve. If he is going to be a full-time player in the NFL, if he's going to be a starting fullback, he's going to have to get better at blocking. And I think it goes back to the power aspect where he's not the most devastating on contact with the ball in his hands. He isn't the most devastating on contact as a blocker either. And like you're saying, he has that drive and that tenacity to keep blocking and keep pushing like he does when he's carrying the ball. I think if he can develop a little more pop in his pads, and he can develop a little more shock on contact. I, I think there's there's room to grow as a blocker here. I don't think that he's completely incapable. I don't think that there is you know uh, no path forward for him to where he's just going to be he's a mass a, a matchup weapon fullback and that's it. I, I don't think that's what we have here. I think we have a guy that has potential to be a, a weapon for an offense, and if he can just improve his blocking get some more shock in his pads, hit the weight room a little bit, get a little bit stronger, get a little bit more impactful when he strikes. I think there's a lot of potential here. This guy's one of the most unique players in the class, but point blank period. I mean, I'm, I cannot remember the last time I scouted a 6'1", 230 pound pullback who averaged 6.3 yards per carry running the ball and drags multiple defenders on his back every single time he gets the ball in his hands. And also can make pirouette sideline catches like a full-blown tight end. I mean, it's, it is, there's no cop for it. There is no one that I can think in my head, even going back a handful of years, there isn't anyone that I can think of that, that is a perfect match to this guy's skill set. And it's easy to hear receiving fullback and think Kyle Juszczyk out in San Francisco, completely and totally different players, where I think Juszczyk is an excellent, excellent receiver. He's also a really, really good blocker. And I mm-hmm. think that's what separates him from a uh, from a, a Lipke in that Lipke isn't that same level of blocker. But I think Lipke's better with the ball the in his hands as a runner. Yeah. Right. I think he's just an outright better runner of the football. And, and so there isn't this exact comparison. But man, this dude is just fun. This dude is a football player. I love the versatility. I love the tenacity. I love the never say die about him. I love the the attitude that I don't care what I have to do. Put me in a position to succeed and I'll do it. And yeah. it's, you want me, you want me weakened as a tight end playing a tight end. And you want me running a drag route, just like I was talking about Davis Allen on a bootleg and catching a ball in the flat and running. Cool. Let me do that. Give me open space and I'm going to split two safeties and run in between them and go score. You want to line me up at tight end and, and run me on leak where I'm going to fake like I'm doing the drag and then leak up the field down the sideline. Cool. I'll do that. And I'll make a contested catch and get both feet in bounds and make a big play out of it. You want me lined up at fullback running a wheel route down the sideline? Gotcha. You want me taking 20 carries in a game and running I form power 22 power right at the gut every play and running over people. Cool. I got you too. Th- that mentality coaches are going to love offensive coaches are going to absolutely adore this dude. And I'm for our offense in particular. He's a perfect fit. If he can just improve that blocking, I mean, this is this is eventually the guy that becomes your Kyle Juice check light, where you can scheme up those plays for him. You can have him be your fullback wheel down the sideline that catches everybody off guard. You can have him be your short yardage guy where you just need him to get a yard on third and one and move the chains. He can do that for you. You can have him be you know, a, a surprise where he lines up at tight end and you sneak a screen to him the other way. You put all the receivers on one side and sneak a screen out the other way to, to a lip key. There's, there is so much potential here. 
there is so much you can do with him and the football player in him shines through. And if you're a, a fan of the Jets, you know that this team, that's what they look for. They look for guys who love football, who do anything they can to help their team win, who can be versatile when need be, can play different roles, who never say die and are never quit and are going to be that type of dog that we look for for four straight quarters. Hunter Lipke is like all of that to a T. I absolutely loved watching him. Yeah. And if we're talking about our, what, number four running back on the roster? Uh, yeah. or just uh, in a league of his own as, as our sole fullback. Uh, I think towards the fifth or sixth round is right where we're looking for. When pick 207 comes around and we're just looking to, to round out that, that running back group, because as of right now, it, we, we've got a lot of talent in this running back group, but we don't, there's nobody quite like, like Lipke that can do everything he can do. Uh, and do it so well, and uh, yeah, it, it it's just a guy that would do wonders on our team, would do wonders for our offense, and there's only room to grow. And uh, for a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick, he doesn't need to be that guy right away. He has the time to to really develop. We'll use him as a situational short yardage guy. Uh, he'll get his his licks in, but you know what? We don't need him to be Jusic right away, and the fact that we can let him sit and still have the talent around him uh, to where it's not a detriment to let him sit and, and grow uh, and learn it is just a, a testament to, to JD and the, and the team that he's built and the, the group that we have at running back right now. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, he's, he's the guy that I love. And uh, if he's there in the fifth or sixth round and we haven't gone running back and we're looking, go for it. Lipke. Yeah, I'm here for it. I'm totally here for it. I mean this in the most complimentary way I possibly can. And I want to stress that because it's not going to sound like it, but I promise I mean this as the biggest compliment possible, not only to the position the Jets are in, but to Lipke and his fit with the Jets. It's the best luxury pick they could have. Where you get to the sixth round and you've rounded out your needs or you get to maybe the seventh if he's still there because he's a fullback and he plays at NDSU. You know, there's no... It's guarantee that this guy's going to be uh, uh, let alone drafted or even gone by the seventh round or you get towards the, that sixth or seventh round and you feel like you've done a good enough job in your class ahead of time and you've rounded out the positions you really need and you're looking at your board and you're going what can we just add to help make this team better I, I Lipke's going to be a really high on my list because I think that is the the perfect guy you take to say, okay, year one, we still have Nick Bowden on the roster. He can be the starter for the immediate. We can find ways to get Lipke on the field and, you know, some package plays for him. He can be our goal line short yardage back if he needs to. And then year two, give him a year in the system. We can let Bowden go. He can take over as our starting fullback. And you're going to have, I'm not going to come out right and say one of the best fullbacks in the league, but you're going to have one of the most fun fullbacks in the league. You're going to have one of the most entertaining fullbacks in the league. And I think a guy that fits your offense really well. And I think, again, in the best way possible, it would be a, a luxury pick, but a really, really good luxury to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Utility is, again, uh, like I was saying with Wiley, and now we can use him in multiple ways. Being The many different ways that we can use Lepke is uh, he's an offensive coordinator's dream. Uh, because he, 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 and when you're done scheming up the for the incredible talent that we haven't even mentioned with the wide receiver and running back. 
just to have the luxury of yep. having a guy like Lovey. the guy you forget about. And then just, what do you know? It's 35 yards down the sideline on a fullback wheel. Like boom. that's boom. Uh, like having that in your offense is when you have everything else to have that one extra, just like to have that one extra curveball. Where if you're to equate it to a pitcher, you got your fastball in Brees Hall, you got your curveball in Garrett Wilson, you know, you got your slider in in Mecole Hardman, you got your your, your changeup in Alan Lazard. This is your knuckleball. You know, this is your spitter. This is the I, I've thrown everything at you, and now I'm just trying to do the crazy thing to catch you off guard. And here's the here's the knuckle curve that falls off the table and, and leaves the batter swinging at air. That's Hunter Lipke, and it would be he'd be a great piece for this offense. I, the more we talk about it, the more I'm hoping it happens because I, I love the fit. I love the player. I love the mentality. I love the fit with the locker room. I love the fit with the, the, the culture that we're building here. He's just, he screams jet. Yeah, absolutely. And the l- last thing I'm going to say on him is when I'm thinking of some of the, the better offenses in the league, when people go down with injuries and the offensive coordinator is able to adjust, and really find new ways to attack defenses. They they use pieces that maybe go overlooked. And a guy like Lepke, if w- teams are focusing on on Wilson and on Hall, uh, and and on Lazard and on Hardman and everybody else we have, it, it's the, not just a change of pace. But if we absolutely need to change our game plan, we can change a game plan that focuses a lot on the fullback on what he's able to do out of the backfield or even in the slot or wherever we line him up. He can do so much. Yeah, he really can. Uh, he really can. I'm a, I'm a really big fan of his. Last guy we're going to talk about today uh, is going to be my running back here. And, and I need to preface with this because this is going to be a little bit of a surprise to some people and a little bit of a, a scenario that has to be laid out for this to be the case. But I'll set the scene. What th- one thing we've seen from the Jets, at least under Robert Salas, two years, they're not patient. They are, if you are not performing, they will find someone who can. They don't want to wait around. They don't want to give everybody all the time in the world. They may preach that, but the reality of their moves says completely and totally otherwise. Where we had mentioned Bryce Hall to start the show, started an entire year at outside corner in Robert Sala's first year. Played well enough that fans were calling him one of the most underrated corners in the league. His uh, completion percentage when targeted was some of the best in the league. You know, he was he was actually pretty solid, by no means a, a complete and total liability on the outside. Wasn't good enough for the Jets. They went out and drafted a corner at four and signed one in free agency. And Bryce Hall was inactive the entirety of the year after he gave up one touchdown week one in Baltimore and he never saw the field again. Zach Wilson had a horrendous year, too. Now they're doing everything they can to go get Aaron Rodgers. It's we've seen them sign Carl Lawson in free agency and a year later draft two defense events. You know, there is there is not a there is they expect results fast and they expect people to once they start seeing a decline, they don't wait too long to try and get ahead of it. So when we're looking at this running back group and we had talked about this before, before we recorded, Matt, there's a guy that really, really disappointed. There's a guy that we had some big expectations for that had a, a huge letdown in his second year, and that's Michael Carter. And, and I hate to say that because I love Michael Carter. Michael Carter, the person, is probably my favorite person on the Jets. Point blank, period. I, I'm His personality shines through. He is an awesome locker room player. I want him to succeed, and I want him on this team. But we need to be honest about what we saw last year. We saw Michael Carter completely fall off a cliff. We saw Michael Carter really, really, really 
take a decline in his level of play where his rookie year, he was excellent. He was explosive. He was agile. His contact balance was still there. He was great at making people miss. He could turn negative plays when the offensive line didn't give him anything and find a way to get positive yards out of it. And we just didn't see any of that in year two where Reese Hall went down. And I know the offensive line had their injuries too. I'm not trying to say that it's all Michael Carter, but with what the Jets had, given their passing game, given their offensive line, after Brees Hall went down, the only running back who was worse than Michael Carter was James Robinson. Todd Johnson did better than him. Bam Knight did better than him. We, we've seen these other guys take over the role and, and succeed behind the same line with the same passing game, and Carter couldn't. And so when I'm looking at this team, from the mentality of, again, it may not be what I would perfectly do if I was running the show, but we need to be honest about where the Jets are right now and what they're doing. They are loading up for 2023. They want to win in 2023 with Aaron Rodgers under center. And they are pushing their chips to the table to be successful this very year. So if you were trying to be successful this very year and you have any sort of concern that Michael Carter can't, can't be the number two back to Brees Hall that you expect him to be, then I think it might be time to cut bait. And I think it might be time to find another guy in the mid rounds. And this is, again, we're talking about luxury. We're talking about we are selling out for this one year, and we are trying to put as much talent on this offense as humanly possible to go and win a championship. We're confident in our defense, and we just need the offense to be able to score points, put that defense in position to succeed. If you swap Michael Carter out and sub in Eric Gray from Oklahoma, Holy hell, your offense is going to be crazy. Eric Gray from Oklahoma is one of my favorite players in this class. This is a this is my kind of running back where you're he's five, nine and a half, 207 pounds. So he's not super tall, but he's thickly built low center of gravity. Contact balance is incredible. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. The dude does not go down on first touch. Doesn't happen. His ability to stay upright is is elite. His agility is fantastic. His ability to make quick cuts, accelerate, stop, start, change direction, squirt through holes, find a cutback lane, all of that. It's awesome. His ability to just be shifty and elusive and make people miss in space and make it hard for them to get a hand on him in the first place is awesome. His burst in the open field is awesome. This is a pro running back. This guy is probably good enough to start for some teams. And I think that if you pair him with Brees Hall, and you make Eric Gray, Brees Hall, your one-two punch, however, you know, Brees one, Gray two, I think you have one of the better running back duos in the league. And I think you have an offense that is so well-developed and so talented at all levels that defenses can't make you one-dimensional because you're going to have a run game that's going to be effective with two running backs at the top of your uh, top of your pecking order that are both capable of creating for themselves and are both capable of exploiting and taking chunk plays when the offensive line gives it to them. So you're going to have an effective run game, whether Eric Gray's in the game or whether Brees Hall's in the game. You, We've talked about our receiver talent, and with Aaron Rodgers throwing them the ball, that makes it even better. If the offensive line can just be serviceable, I think the rest of the talent on this offense will do the rest. And I think Eric Gray slides in as that perfect spell guy where he is. It kind of hit me like a ton of bricks this morning. Who he reminds me of. And once I realized this, it, I, I can't love this comp anymore. He reminds me a ton of JK Dobbins. Where it's that same sort of squatty or thickly built build. He'll run through you with no fear. Doesn't care about contact at all. 
can make people miss in space when ne- when needed to. Plenty explosive, can create chunk plays when given the opportunity. May not be a guy you want as your perfect bell cow, 25 carries a game, although I'm going to be on the argument and stand on the hill that I don't think that guy exists in the NFL anymore. There wasn't a single running back in the league last year that averaged more than 20 touches a game, period. Doesn't matter who it was. I think the days of the bell cow running back are over. And so if you're looking for a guy to be part of that committee, to be the the 1B to a 1A, I, I think you could do a lot worse than Eric Gray. And if I'm the Jets, and we, again, looking at positional value in a, a running back class that I think is pretty dang deep with two guys, again, comparing to tight end that are going to be top 50 picks or possibly first round picks and Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs. And then you got all the other guys behind him, like Tajay Spears and Sean Tucker and Evan Hull at Northwestern and Izzy Abanacanda at Pitt. And I could go down the line and list of running backs. Uh, Deuce Vaughn at Kansas State. You know, there's there's a lot of good backs in this class. And, and Eric Gray is another guy where I feel like he might be forgotten about. And so, like I said, with Davis Allen, thinking 112th pick in the draft. If Davis Allen's gone and Eric Gray is there, I'm sprinting the card in for Eric Gray. And I'm trading Michael Carter for whatever I can get. And I'm saying, sorry, this was, you know, love you, love your talent, hope you succeed, wish nothing but the best for you. You're a great dude. We want you to go be everything that we know you're capable of being. But we have a guy right here that is going to then be two years ahead on a rookie contract again that I think could be even better than Michael Carter. And looking at them purely as prospects, I have Eric Gray rated higher. So I'm I'm sold. And I think it's unlikely. And I think it would be the Jets shelling out and going, okay, 2023 is the year. And even if it's a rash move and we're going to move on from a guy a bit early, oh, well, we just saw them trade Elijah Moore after two years. We've seen them bench Zach Wilson. We've seen Braden Mann, you know, has been replaced after short order after Joe Douglas drafted him as a punter in 2020. You know, they aren't going to be patient. They are going to fix their mistakes sooner rather than later, and they're not going to let things continue to fail just because they want to be proven right in the end. And so if there is any concern, which I think there is real concern, but if there is any concern that Michael Carter is on the decline and you have an opportunity to add a guy like Eric Gray in the fourth round, I think it's an easy decision. Yeah, I, I I hate talking about Michael Carter like this because I like you. I love Michael Carter. Love him. La- I want uh, I want to be wrong here. Let me be very clear. I want nothing more than for Michael Carter to get better, be the running back two for the Jets, and be fantastic and be the guy we know he's capable of. But if we're going off last year, I can't say I'm confident in that. No, and you're you're right. Last year, it, it did not look like the Michael Carter that we saw coming out of North Carolina. Uh, it didn't look like the Michael Carter that we saw his rookie year. Uh, he looked like a shell of himself, like he lost confidence in himself uh, after being the main guy year one. And then Brees Hall comes in and lights it up the way he did. I feel like Carter maybe kind of just put his own com- his confidence in his game on the back burner as well. Uh, and then you add in the, the woes along the offensive line. He was getting hit before he would get going more often than not, where his rookie season, you would probably see him fight through those tackles and still make something out of nothing. Uh, and this year, he didn't. Um, I still lean towards what he we saw in, at North Carolina and what we saw his rookie year as what his real capability is. Uh, you, you listen to the coaches, and when they talk about him, they, they say, yeah, he hit a, a second-year wall. Um, 
whether that's just you know getting behind their guy or uh, saying that they still have confidence with them. It's kind of what I'm. It's what I'm hoping for. Maybe rather than what maybe reality is. I. I it's still yet to be seen. Uh, so I, I. I still see a place for Carter. But yeah, you're right. If there's any doubt at all, and then yeah, they should move on and and definitely try to improve. And Gray is a guy that I love as well. Uh, I have a solid early third round pick for him uh, because there's so few guys that can make people miss the way he makes people miss with his sudden mm-hmm. and violent uh, change of direction uh, and his That's vision. That's the best description of him I've ever heard. Sudden and violent. It's sudden and violent. Like if you're drawing a z that's the those are the cuts that he's making it's he'll just juke you right out of his dock and he's got some great vision to go with it when he's in the open field he just sees those lanes open as up like bagger vance kind of it's 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 wild just to to see him how he works and how he's so shifty at a decent size too uh and he doesn't have track long speed uh, but at the same time, he's got very good short area burst. Yes. So he will use that uh, all the time, especially to find those cutback lanes and blast through them. And then once he's in the open field, then good luck tackling him. Uh, and the power, too, that, that he possesses is also just very admirable, where he will run through your arm tackles. Uh, and as a receiver, too, he, he, I, I don't think he was used uh enough in this respect uh no. but th- when you do see him he's incredible you can line him up in the slot you can well i think i even see him line up uh outside sometimes and he is a receiving threat he can be used in so many different ways uh again utility i, I love utility guys uh so yeah if we're looking to move on from carter if we don't think that Bam is the the guy to step in right away to be that number two, uh, then yeah, Gray is a guy that I would put a lot of, of of cards behind. And something that we haven't mentioned yet, and that a lot of people are kind of just you know sweeping under the rug as if it's not a possibility, but there's a strong possibility that Hall is not where we need him to be uh, mm-hmm. when this season starts. Uh, he might not even be who we want him to be for the entire season. Maybe he takes the entire season to get back uh, to to where he was. And if that's the case, then we need, really need to start looking at what we're relying on. An undrafted free agent in Bam Knight. Carter, who's coming off a, a bad year. Uh, Ty, Ty Johnson, who is yeah, just... A career a, running a, back three. Yeah. Who I like a lot, and I, like I love Ty Johnson. Right? I probably I'm probably the biggest Ty Johnson fan you know that exists. Like, I, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'll be the first to admit it. But I still don't think Ty Johnson's a guy you want to commit and say, okay, Brees Hall's not ready for Week One. Ty Johnson's our starter. No, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. I think he's the role that he plays is the role that he does best, and I think keeping him in that role is ideal. Eric Gray, like I said, he's my kind of running back. And there is two things that I look for in running backs above all else. I don't care about size, weight, height, speed, you know, anything else. The two traits that I look for first and foremost, and everything else is secondary. Number one, you have to be able to create for yourself. When the blocking isn't there, you need to get positive yards anyway. You need to be able to make people miss. You need to be able to find a cutback lane. You need to be able to break a tackle. However, it happens. You cannot be a guy that only gets what's blocked for you. You have to be able to create for yourself. And in the NFL, it's even more paramount. 
Eric Gray is one of the best in this class at creating for himself. When there is nothing there, Eric Gray finds six yards anyway. And that is huge for me. And secondly, when that does happen and the blocking is there for you and you have a clean lane, you got to have the speed, the explosion, the vision, and the burst to hit that hole while it's there and create a chunk play. Where I've the old analogy that I look for is if the offensive line gives you two, I want seven. And if the offensive line gives you seven, I want 25. That's Eric Gray. And you know who else that is, Matt? That's Brees Hall, too. Mm-hmm. And I think exactly what you're talking about, where Salah has come out and said that he thinks Hall looks fantastic and they're confident that he should be good to go to start the season. And that's all well and good. We can say that in April. We have no idea what September is going to look like. We have no idea what the summer is going to look like. We have no idea how Brees Hall is going to progress over training camp, when he's going to be cleared for contact, how long it's going to take for him to get back into that shape. And if we're being totally fair to this guy who's going into his second year in the NFL and only played seven games as a rookie before getting hurt, it's really unfair to expect him to be fully 100% Brees Hall week one of 2023. And I think if this is a guy that you traded up for at the top of the second round, that you made the first running back off the board a year ago, that you were even talking about trading back into the first round for, if you would have had the availability to do so and made your fourth first round pick of the draft and taken a running back at that to end the first round, this is a guy you want on your team for a while. This is a guy whose career you want to extend and you want to build your offense around at least for the next handful of seasons. And if that's the case, rushing him back is not ideal. So if you're not confident that Michael Carter or Bam Knight or Ty Johnson can carry that load, and even if Brees is cleared to play week one, he's on a pitch count and he's not fully back up to where he would be as the bell cow and and taking the, the majority of the carries and you need someone else to fill in, I'm not sure there is anybody that the Jets could realistically get that's going to be better than Eric Gray. I am. I love this dude. I really, really love this dude. This is like, I'm going to keep saying it again. This is my kind of running back. Some people have their preferences. Some guys like the raw speed. Some guys like the power. I like the guys that do everything. I like the guys that have no weaknesses. I like the guys that have no limitations. I like the guys that can run over you, run through you, jump around you, juke you, spin you, run through your arm tackle, beat you in a race, beat you to the hole. Any way you want a running back to create yards, Eric Gray can do it. And he's got talent as a receiver. He caught 33 passes. He had 229 yards as a receiver. Respectable 6.9 yards per catch. Nothing incredible, but I think he was underutilized and really was more only a check down and screen option. I think there's more to him, and I think you can utilize him in a wider range in the future. I'm, I absolutely love this dude. And, and I'm going to end again by saying this. If I'm comparing them strictly as prospects and I'm looking at Michael Carter coming out of North Carolina and Eric Gray coming out of Oklahoma, I have a higher grade on Eric Gray. Yeah. Uh, it, I am looking at, at it like this. On what, their conf- what the coach's confidence level is in their group that we have. We ha- if Just the tying in the two positions, the tight end and, and running back. Uh, if I feel like they have a lot more confidence in Rucker, CJ, and Conklin uh, than they do in Hall, Carter, Bam, and Ty. So if that fourth round comes around and we have both Allen and and uh, and Gray available, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Gray as well. Yeah, uh, I would do that in a second, and then I would look towards Wiley in in the fifth or sixth round if we're still looking for a tight end. Uh, and and I would do that easily because yeah, you you have to 
shore up these positions because it's a long season. And the more depth you have, uh, the better. And so best case scenario, great. Hall is back to normal pretty quickly. Carter's looking good. You know what? <laughs> That's fine. Uh, because guess what? Her injuries happen all the time. It happened very especially quick. Especially at running back. Especially at running back. It happened very quick to Hall last year. Happened to Carter year one. Uh, so guess what? All of a sudden, Gray could be uh, in, in a blink. Uh, right at the top uh, of our, our depth chart. So it's never a bad thing to shore up a position, especially a skill position like running back in an offense that really likes to prioritize uh, running the, the ball. So I would 10 out of 10 times go Gray in the fourth, Wiley in the fifth, or that rather than going Allen in the fourth, and then Alupke in the sixth or fifth. So, yep. I, I, I love the guy. He's everything that you want and need. Go get him if he's there. Yeah, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. You can find an equivalent of a Davis Allen in the fifth round and it's some guy like a Josh Wiley. You can't find an Eric Gray. There's, there, there is none. It is, Eric Gray is my third rated running back. Like This is how much I love this dude. I, my rankings are B. John Robinson, Jameer Gibbs, Eric Gray. Like I, I'm... I have a second round grade on him and I'm and I know that I am high on him and I'm fine with that and I will ride that hill because I fully believe in the talent. But again, looking at the position, looking at the talent in the class, looking at the guys that we know are going to go higher, looking at other fits for other teams and what they specifically might need in a running back. I could see a world where Eric Gray falls to the fourth round. There is no position that has been devalued more in the NFL than the running back position. And to say that, again, if Michael Carter can go 104, I think Eric Gray can last till 112. It would be a steal. It's not likely. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. I'm not saying it's 100% going to happen. But I think there's a chance. I think there's a better than zero chance. And I think if that does happen, Eric Gray at 112 is going to be an absolutely A-plus pick for the Jets. Um, off the top of my head, I'm probably putting you on the spot here. Do you happen to know if the Jets have met with any of the four guys we have mentioned? Hmm. Let me see if I can pull up their official visits list. I don't believe so, but I'm not a hundred percent. Because we we know that they that a lot of the guys that they pick in, in the later rounds and mm-hmm. mid rounds are guys that they've met with at some point in another and, and have really liked. Right. Uh so I, I I would be surprised if they haven't looked at any of these guys because a lot of them really fit what they need and the mold of what they should be looking at. Uh, it, it would be a little shocking to me if they've met with none of them. I know they met with McBride uh, at running back, uh, but uh, uh, any of the guys you mentioned, I don't know. I'm looking through their official list right now. I will let you know if I see anyone that we have mentioned. I have not seen anybody yet but I can let you know as soon as that happens. I don't believe in, I don't think there, I think there's still time too. Yeah. Still got Current, two. from the list that I have. They, of the four guys that we mentioned today, they have not met with any of them, but I don't think that that's a deal breaker. I think it is like you're saying, they do like to be familiar with guys. They do like to have some amount of, of familiarity with them, but we have no idea who they met with at the combine. We mm-hmm, have no sure. idea who they might've talked to at the senior bowl. We have no idea what, what they did at pro days or, or, you know, what scouts might've been where, just because they may not have had an official visit doesn't mean that there hasn't been any contact. And it, 
there's a, a plethora, a plethora of examples of guys who get drafted by teams that they didn't even speak to throughout the process that, that they have no idea that they were even going to be interested. And then that's the guy they end up drafting. So it's, I don't want to say it's not worth mentioning because it absolutely is, but I don't think that it's a, a deal breaker by any stretch. I still think no. there's a good chance that these guys could be Jets. And if there's one thing that we have proven, Matt, over the last handful of years of doing this show, we can identify fits for this team. We know what this team looks for. We know their molds. We know their prototypes. We know what they like at certain positions and where they value. And we can, I think we have a pretty good handle on this Jets roster, this Jets coaching staff, this Jets front office and what they look for in their players. And the guys that we brought up are 110% fits for this team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. That all these guys to a T fit what we're looking for fit a, a need that we have been thirsting for, uh, whether it's uh, the short yardage guy that can do a lot of other things uh, or t- a tight end depth that can, we can, really rely on whether it's Rucker and Allen or Wiley or, or whoever, like we, we, uh, groups of guys, youth of football players that we can go forward with, uh, no matter who our quarterback is, we can at least be confident that there is a strong unit. Yeah, completely and totally agree. I think that does it for us for this week. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Matt, you know the drill. Let's wrap this one up. Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jeff. And I'm Andrew. You can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Make sure you guys are also following the show at OKD podcast as well. And stay tuned next week. We are two weeks out ahead of the draft. Obviously, the week of the draft is going to be our big war room special where we give our official mock draft and picks for the New York Jets draft in 2023. But make sure you stop by next week beforehand. Matt and I are going to give our five favorite players each of the 2023 class a little bit of the official all OKD team, if you want to call it that. Go through some of our favorite guys in the class as a whole forget position forget value forget interest obviously there's going to be guys that we want for the jets in there but we're just going to talk about our five players that we love that we want to highlight that we know are going to be really good pros that we want our fans to know so make sure you guys are stopping by for that appreciate you guys tuning in one more time and we'll be back real real soon bye-bye